wish a lot more of our people were here today. I can't change that. But I do know this. The Lord is here. He's ready to bless. And I know he'll use our dear brother to bring blessing to us today. He's going to sing and preach. Whatever God leads him to do, I'm going to turn this pulpit over to him today and just let him follow the leading of the Lord. So come on, Brother Dwight. Amen. God bless you, man. I need a other kind of microphone. Good morning. Good to be back here. It's been about, I think, four years since my wife came and gave her testimony. Wow, God is so faithful. Well, I'm going to sing a song or so. I told Pastor Bill I was going to sing seven, but I'm really not. Uh, I think one or two, okay? But open your heart to get the Lord. I've got people praying all over the country for that day, for here, right now. I've got a lot of friends. I don't know if I've got any enemies. I don't count them. <laughs> But I know that Jesus Christ is here and the power of the Holy Spirit is in this place. The Word of God is going to go forth with anointing. And you will see what God can do when you believe. Amen. This is an old song, but I love it. Written by Dottie Rambo many years ago. When His kingdom comes. Go ahead. Throne in 
settled and my heart is his throne. Hallelujah. Oh, what a difference. What a great transformation. Oh, what a difference. When his kingdom comes, what a difference when things are in earth as they are in heaven. When all has been settled and my one thing about your pastor. He's very consistent. He's very stable. He knows what God wants him to do, and he does it. I just got to love him for that. Amen. I'm a true servant of God. Amen. And Carolyn is such a mighty prayer warrior, such a woman of God. She and Mary, just, when they would get together, they would just talk about the Lord. That's it. Nothing else to say too much. Kids and the Lord. And we've got a good time talking about Jesus. This song talks about God's faithfulness to us. Let him be your faithful God today. greater than our failures is peace runs deeper than our fears when we go through our tears. 
strength to simply trust him. Through those times when we may not understand, we will gain a sweet assurance no passing doubt can dim our lives are safely in his hands though countless souls have come to him so desperate chapter 6, verses 68 and 69. The title of the message is, I Still Believe. This is from the Passion Translation. I know, I don't know if you're familiar with that. You might wonder where I'm just wearing this pink shirt. I'll let you know as we go along. As Pastor Bill, if I need to wear a jacket, he says, you don't have to. I said, good. Because I wanted this paint to shine, okay? Peter spoke up and said, but Lord, where would we go? No one but you give us, gives us the revelation of eternal life. <laughs> Excuse me. Got it. Pause that refreshes. Don't you wish you had one? Bar mine. Okay, now let's get back to it. I don't have to startle. We better sit there. 
Peter spoke up and said, but Lord, where would we go? No one but you gives the, the, uh, gives us the revelation of eternal life. We're fully convinced that you are the anointed one, the son of the living God, and we believe in you. July 1st, 1961. I stood waiting almost 23. And this young lady was such a heart for God that that's what attracted me to her. Was the main ingredient in my life besides God That's it on the coffin. For 58 years. And in that process, we went through a lot of things, ups and downs and ins and outs. And I pastored a number of different churches in different states and traveled in evangelism, went around the world, preached the gospel in, in, in Europe and South America and Russia and Ukraine and and she didn't go with me all those times. But all over the United States, we traveled and preached the gospel. And I found out one thing. Life with Mary was almost exciting. In the due process of time, we had four beautiful children, one of whom has preceded her to heaven by 20 years. We didn't expect that to happen, but it did. But I found out that Jesus never fails. I still believe that Jesus never fails. I still believe that miracles happen today. Somebody said, what are you doing with a cane? You believe in miracles. I'm wanting that myself. Maybe today's the day. Fell down 14 steps a few years ago, and nobody's been able to correct my pelvis. It's just twisted a little bit. I don't know why they can't twist it back. Might hurt, I don't know. But I believe that God still answers prayer. There's nothing that tells me in any kind of situation that God does not answer prayer. Sometimes he says no, sometimes he will say some wait. Sometimes it says, not yet. It's, you know, it's not your time yet. We always say, yes, it is. Yes, it is. But he knows best. And I believe that prayer, when we pray, does change things. Now, prayer that's not prayed is not going to be answered by God, by the promise of that. God can't answer what you don't ask or what you don't seek him for. I mean, sometimes he uses other people to speak into our lives, and I, I know that's true. But let's look at what the Word of God says about prayer. James says in chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Encourage them to pray. Are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Yeah, there's some. Amen. Quite a few in this group. Amen. I love it. Encourage them to sing out their praises. Never hold it to yourself. I love it when someone just says a word that just speaks to, to my heart, and they're just speaking from their heart to God or about God. And it's just a blessing. I'm having a problem keeping saying, I think it should stay there. I just hate for things to drop. There. Okay. Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they will be forgiven. Ooh, that's good. Some 
what does well, the sickness do to sin? Sometimes I think it might be because you do the wrong thing and some of that stuff that you do will get you in trouble sickness-wise. But I believe also that our Father God is in charge. He's never released authority except to the Lord Jesus. And he gave all authority to him for this time. One of the days Jesus, it says in the Scripture, will turn all the authority back to the Father. Wow. And it's, it's wonderful that our Father is in charge. He knows what's going on. He knows what to do about your situation and mine. And I believe there's no terror in death for the child of God. Philippians 1.21 For my life is about the anointed one, anointed to him alone. This is from the voice. It's an interesting little thing. And it says, my death, when that comes, will mean great gain for me. When that comes, we don't ever know when it's going to come. Sometimes we think, well, I'll live at least a hundred or ninety or ninety-two or something. But you know, it can happen unexpectedly, as it did for a number of people in the last few days. Storms can come. People can be blown off into the ocean, washed off. So death will come. But if you're a child of God, no matter how it comes, there's not any terror connected to it. First Corinthians 15, a couple of several verses there, from the 20th through the uh, 22nd, and then on down to the 51st. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. For since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Christ. Even as all of us who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. In verse 51, Listen, I will tell you a divine mystery. Not all of us will die. But we will all be transformed. Transformers are not new. I mean, God promised it a long time ago, and he, he saw, we saw an example of when Jesus was transformed to, from a usual earthly body to a body that could walk through a wall. I don't know how it happens, but, you know, he was there in the room, and the doors were all open. He came right through the wall or through the door without it being open. But it says, we will all be transformed. It will happen in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, his eye. But when the last trumpet is sounded, the dead will come back to life, and we will be indestructible, and we will be transformed, for we will discard our mortal clothes <coughs> and slip into a body that is imperishable. What is mortal now will be exchanged for immortality, and when that which is mortal puts on immortality and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, death is swallowed up in triumphant victory. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? It is sin that gives death its sting, and the law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as the conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So now, beloved ones, stand firm and secure. Let you live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You never get too old to produce fruit either. Amen. Let us turn to you on this summer. Uh, I'm, I'm hard on the heels of your pastor. You know how well he does. Amen. So God helps us to do what we need to do no matter what your age is. And you're never too young to start. When I was five years old, I gave my heart to the Lord. It's kind of a unique circumstance. I won't go into a lot of detail, but I was in a cow stall. And my dad and his friend were praying about the revival that was going on. Dad was preaching. And I, I was sitting over on the, on the bale of hay, and Dad said, Okay, son, pray with me. Five years old, I've turned my life over to Jesus Christ, and I've never been sorry. I remember it very clearly. 
And remember this, God's promises are true. 7,000 or so promises in the Word of God. Now, some of them don't apply to you. How many want a child at the age of 100? Uh, not too many. Okay. But some of them may not apply to you, but all of them that apply to you are real for you. They're true. He didn't say it just for one generation or one person or, or a group of people. He said it for everyone who will believe those promises. And then I believe also that this mountain that is before you can be lifted up and cast into the sea. Mark chapter 11, verses 25, 23, 25. Again from the Passion. In the morning that passed by the fig tree that Jesus spoke to him was completely withered up from the, from the roots of Peter remembered and said to him, Teacher, look, that's the fig tree you cursed. It's now all shriveled up and dead. Jesus replied, Let the faith of God be in you. Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, Mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea, and believes what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him and forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. Amen. I, I noticed a while ago no one stood that said they were perfect. So, I'm in the right crowd. I'm not either. I mean, my wife could tell you that if she were around. But you know, all of us are forgiven if we ask. You don't presume on God, but the fact is God loves to forgive. He loves to heal. He loves to deliver. He loves to set people free. And there's nothing, nothing about our faults that cause us to be estranged, estranged from God if we want to come to Him. He says, come to me, all you that have these heavy loads, these burdens, this sin, this whatever's in your life, come to me. I will let you be part of my life. I'll let my life flow through you. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. So nothing is impossible with God. All we can come up with all kinds of Questions, what if this, what if that, what if God? Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that God can do anything that He very well chooses. And He chooses to honor His Word with you and with me and to bless those who ask in faith. And then I may not understand, but I know He holds my hand today. Things have happened in the last number of years. Back, and please don't wear the shirt now. Back in 1961, uh, Barry was such a vibrant, healthy young lady. On October 1st, 1984, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Well, the next day, they did surgery. And a week later, two or three days later, they did further surgery. And they said, well, we don't need to do any more treatment. Everything's clear. And for 21 years, he was totally clear. 21 years. No further treatment, no chemo, no radiation even at that time. And then in 2005, he said, there's something going on here. Well, they removed the lumps and everything's fine. 2008, on her birthday, he got a PET scan. It said, uh, there's a mass under your sternum. You remember when we were here four years ago, I think it was, there's a picture shown on the screen of my wife with a PET scan view. There was this dark mass under her sternum. And then on December 22nd, 2011, the last PET scan that she had was clear. No mass. Nothing else. And until 2017, there was no 
indication that anything else was going on. But she had another bedstead. And it showed all things, lymph nodes, contaminated with cancer. It didn't look like a big thing because after all, God had done the big one. But two years later, he went to be with the Lord. Two years and a month later. And how, uh, how do I handle that? Like I say, I don't need to understand everything. But I sure need the one who holds my hand to be there for me and with me. There's an old song that says, Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds my hand, is what it was written. It was recently recorded there not too long ago. And he stands by me. He does. He holds my hand. He's with me. I don't, I don't know whether tomorrow will bring me greater blessing in some ways or poverty. You can't tell about what's happening with our economy. But one thing I know, that I can trust the one who holds tomorrow. I can trust the one who was there with me. As Mary breathed her last in our room, May 10th of this year. And I believe this, that despite what I've seen and how many prayers we've prayed, I believe that I can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Somebody said, well, how do you believe that when your own wife didn't get healed? She did three times. God, God may have just said, come on home, Mary. I know you're tired of finding this stuff. Well, however it happened, I'll give you a little more detail in a couple of moments to this part of my message. But it's a glorious thing to know that God is with you in every situation. And I believe that demons are subject to the believer. What? Demons? You believe in demons? Uh, yeah, I do. I don't look for them, but they come around, you know. I'm trying to find one under every rock. There used to be a group of people that I thought that's what they were doing. They'd say, well, are you demon I said, forget that. I mean, if you don't have greater authority than the demons do, then you better not walk out of the house or you better not go to bed or you better not do anything. I mean, come on. The Bible says, Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. i got to believe that. I'm going to trust God with every part of my life, including the fact that he doesn't want demonic activity to happen in me nor in the people around me. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. He said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel of the entire, to the entire human race. <coughs> that one. There. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, who does not believe the good news will be condemned. And it says, these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. First thing, they will drive out demons in the power of my name. Second thing, they will speak with new tongues, no more forked tongues, no more lying tongues, no more cheating tongues. I mean, you could say, well, it's talking about tongues in, in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's true. But it's talking about any kind of thing that needs to be changed about the way we speak. You speak differently. I've seen people that had, had grown up cursing, saying filthy stuff, and as soon as they were saved, it changed. Somebody said, well, it didn't happen to me. I'm sorry. But I've seen it happen to a lot of people. And so it says, 
They will, they will speak with new tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. Let me give you a quick illustration. My brother and I, when I was age of 21, traveled around the world the first time, mainly to India and to the Philippines, spent two months in the Philippines, three months in India. While we were in India, God was doing fantastic works. And people were being healed, set free. Demons were being cast out. I mean, here we were, two young men. He was a couple years older than me. Two young men, hardly known at all. Nobody knew us there except David Duplessy, Mr. Pentecost, wrote a letter of introduction to us, or for us. And, and so some of the missionaries said, okay, we'll take a chance. So the first meeting he set up was for 200 people. Well, by the end of the week, there were 2,000, that little village of 2,000. Why? Miracles. Every meeting after that grew multitudinally. I mean, it just multiplied. And the last meeting we were in in that particular trip was in Coimbatore. In Coimbatore, every night, there were, the first night, there were about 5,000 people there. The next night, about eight, ten thousand. 10,000. And so every day, they had to go out, and we hired more and more people to go out and clear thorn bushes because the the area where we were in was open and, and usable, except there were thorns. So we had laborers out there clearing thorn bushes. The last day, we had about 50 people out there clearing thorn bushes to so clear the whole property. And so this meeting grew from 5,000 to over 70,000 because of the miracles that were done. It was such a wonderful thing. But on the last night before the last day of the meeting. We had Tuesday through Sunday was the schedule. And on Saturday night, my brother, who was the lead person, the lead evangelist, was so sick. I didn't know what was going on, but he was vomiting. Is that his word? He was doing other things. Not good work. And it was all right. And the next day, <laughs> when it came time for the meeting, I said, Quentin, are you able to come and preach? He said, go on ahead, take as many films as you can of the people as they come in and so on. And he said, I'll get there as soon as I can. He showed up about 15 minutes after we started. Pale, gone, weak. We had a fantastic night of miracles. It was so strong, so powerful. One of the missionaries was sitting on the platform, he just was weeping. He said, I've been here for 40 years and I've been preaching the wrong gospel. I've been trying to help people learn how to do a trade. He said, they made Jesus to set them free and this is what's happening. Well, God did a great work. During those times, over 200 churches were established just from the outcropping of the meetings that were conducted by two young men that were unknown. But on that last night, as, as he had gone through Saturday night, then on Sunday evening after the meeting, because we had it earlier on Sunday, after the meeting we went back to the hostel where we were staying and sat down to eat food, because that's what we had. His main meal was after the church meeting. That was the custom in India anyway. And so the cook came out and brought the food. All of a sudden, he dropped everything and ran screaming back into the other room. The interpreter went in to see what was going on. After a few minutes, he came back out. He said, this man said that your brother should be dead. He said he was paid to put five times the amount of poison that would normally take to kill a person in his food because he was the main speaker. No wonder he had a little problem. But you know what? It was cast off. He never had another problem after that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so anything poisonous, they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Jesus said, go heal them. He didn't say, go pray for them. He said, go heal them. 
I didn't say it, he did. But the end of the Lord is near those who trust in God. Thursday night, amen, this year. Let me give you a little background. We had my granddaughter, my first granddaughter, had called the week before and said, Papa, would it be all right if I came next week and visited you for a little while? I want to see Grandma. And I said, sure. She said, well, I'll get there on Thursday afternoon. But she flew in from Dallas area. But before, before she got there, my second daughter in Virginia Beach called and said, the next day or the same day she called and said, Dad, is it all right if I come next week? Said uh, Faith and I can come. Faith was homeschooled. Said Faith and I can come. We'll be there by Tuesday afternoon. I said, sure. My youngest daughter from Denver called and said, on Sunday, she said, Dad, I've got some fantastic prices on tickets. Would it be all right if I come over tomorrow? So Monday, my youngest daughter arrived. Tuesday, my second daughter. On Thursday, my granddaughter. Thursday night, those three and the granddaughter from Virginia Beach and another granddaughter stayed in the room with Mary and talked for two solid hours. And then I went back and Mary finally said, okay, I need to get some sleep. And so everybody left the room, so I went in and we prayed and talked and read scripture. For three days, you've been saying, Dwight, do you hear that? And I said, what? He said, somebody's rustling the sheets. I said, no, I don't think so. She said, well, something's rubbing. The very day Bill and Carolyn came on Thursday, Jim and uh, Ruth and, and David Lee came on Thursday together, and they prayed with Mary on Thursday afternoon. She was born out because we had a doctor's appointment. They were here. Another couple were there. And so... Then she had talked to the girls for three hours, or two hours. I was in there praying with her. We were reading the scripture again. And I was reading from the Passion Translation, Psalm 46. She said, read that part again. Three, four, five times. I read some of it over, and I'll show you what part. It'll be on the screen, I think. God... You're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're proven help in trouble. More than enough and always available when I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. Or the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Pause in his presence. God is a constantly flowing river with sparkling streams, bringing joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God most high into his holy dwelling places. God is in the midst of his city, secure and never shaken. Note this part. At daybreak, his help will be seen with the appearing of the dawn. When the nations are in uproar with their tottering kingdoms, God simply raises his voice and the earth begins to dis- disintegrate before him. Notice this verse. Here he comes, the commander, the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Cause in his presence. Everyone look, come and see the breathtaking wonders of our God. For he brings forth both ruin and revival. He's the one who makes conflicts and through uh, conflicts end throughout the earth, breaking and burning every weapon of war. Surrender your anxiety. Be silent, stop your striving, and you will see that I'm God. I'm the God above all the nations, and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. 
And notice this. If he stands, the commander, the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Notice those three verses that I highlighted. It says, at daybreak, his help will be seen with the appearing of the dawn. I want you to notice verse 7 first. This is the one she wanted me to read over and over. Here he comes, the commander, the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. And then verse 11. Notice the difference in the wording. Here he comes, here he stands. He's here. He's not on the way. He's not about to come. He's here. here he stands. The commander of the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. I said, Mary, the Lord is in this room in a very, very present way. He's, he's here in a mighty way. And I, I believe his angels are here, and I believe that's what you've been hearing. There's only two kinds of angels, apparently, in the Scripture that have wings, and those are seraphim and cherubim. Cherubim are not little things that shoot arrows. Cherubim are mighty warriors. The mighty army of angels are cherubim. And they were saying, we're here for you. And then back up. Verse 5, at daybreak his help will be seen with the appearing of the dawn. Guess what time it was when Mary breathed her last? Daybreak. Daybreak. I said, Lord, you were telling us. You were showing us. You were sounding it to Mary. She even saw spread wings in the living room. She thought it was someone, a, a reflection of our canopy outside. No, it was not visible from there. God showed her what he was about to do. We couldn't see it at first. But it says, here he comes, now here he stands. So when God is on our side, we know that everything is going to work out right. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, 32, an old familiar passage read from the Passion again. If God is determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his Son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. He gave us his best. Why would he not give us the rest? He gave up his own Son. Why would he withhold any other thing from us? Excuse me. So Jesus is always with us by his Spirit, by the presence of his Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 28, and I'd like the worship leaders who are going to sing this song. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you, and never forget that I'm with you every day, even to the completion of this age. He's always with us. He goes before us. He prepares the way. He prepares the hearts. He gives us the liberty to speak and the, the freedom to exhort and the anointing to deliver. He gives us whatever we need if we just dare go in his name. Jesus, last of all, is coming back soon. I love that song that they sang a while ago about Jesus coming. He will come very soon. I believe the signs have pointed that for a long time. Sometimes they say, well, I thought you'd come back in 1950. Yeah, me too. I was around. I thought he would come in 1983. No, 88. No, 89. No, 2000. But make this change into this 
century, Jesus had to come. The Bible says in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, you will be also. Where I go, you know, is the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't even know where you're going, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But you never come to the Father. The way is to God and Jesus Christ. Today I want you to begin to believe that Jesus Christ wants to live in your heart and life. And you've given your heart and life to God, you've been serving for maybe 10 years, 5 years, 20 years, 100 years, I don't care. Let him refresh you that faith in him today. I want you to, to believe with me. Just as the word has said when I've been preaching to you today. Look at the last verse that I've given to you. This means a comparative man's perspective. The Lord is not late concerning his promises to return. That some measure lateness. Rather, his delay simply reveals his loving patience for you. Because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. You have an opportunity today. If you've never committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, Today is the 